Hello and welcome to the Wabi Sabi series podcast, unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, a corporate exec turned author who has recently written a series of books about topics we don't often talk about. Things like death, grief, not having kids, and the unexplained power doctors often wield over us. Apparently, some of my books have made some people feel a little uncomfortable, but I felt that I wanted to have far more conversations around weird, wonderful, and sometimes taboo topics. So I reached out to some interesting people and asked them just one question. If there is one topic that you'd love society to talk more about, what would it be and why? And what they've shared with me has been amazing. So let's dive in and see where the conversation takes us. For a lot of conditions, it's not just about that 10, 15, 30 minute time you have with your practitioner, but it's what self-care or what routines are you setting up between those appointments. Dr. Stephanie Zagragan, a chiropractor and clinical nutritionist, is the director of Lyme and Lotus Healing Arts Centre in Charleston, South Carolina. She is also an author and leading expert in women's hormones and health. Her private practice is centred on functional endocrinology, lifestyle modification and whole food supplementation. Her expertise includes functionally evaluating thyroid, adrenals, male and female hormone imbalances and digestion all wonderful topics that everyone is dealing with some challenges these days. Her mission is to empower patients on how they can transform their lives and incorporate nutrition, supplements and positive lifestyle choices. She has written for national publications such as Chiropractic Economics, Natural Awakenings and Nutritional Perspectives and has shared the stage at events with the fabulous Elizabeth Gilbert and Marianne Williamson, two legendary women right there. Dr. Stephanie is a big believer in educating people to become their own health advocates, how to stand up for yourself, seek second opinions, and to ask the right questions when you see your healthcare professionals. Dr. Stephanie and I connected through my third book, Doctors Are Not Gods. It's so heartwarming for me to meet a medical professional over the other side of the world, no less, that is advocating for the same key elements that I have been here on this patient side. I can't wait to learn more from Dr. Stephanie. Dr. Stephanie, it's wonderful to have you here today. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Michelle, for having me. I'm so happy to be here as well. Fabulous. I think we've got some really good conversations to have, and I've been really enjoying learning about what you do and your history and the work that you do. So let's kick straight in. If there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I think society, from my perspective, should really be discussing more about how patients and people can become their own health advocates to better advocate for themselves, their families, their health, and to stop being lazy patients. I love this. That's awesome. That is a a topic very dear to my heart. Um, That's how we sort of connected through my book of Doctors Are Not Gods. So um, let's start from the start then. So why do you feel so passionately about this? Because as as a patient, I feel passionate about it, but as a doctor, it's it's actually really music to my ears to hear you say that. So uh, thank you for, for first of all that you get it. Absolutely, and I, and I think part of it was my own process too. You know, just like you having some health struggles. Uh, when I was in chiropractic school, I had a lot of health challenges with my menstrual cycle, and this is how I've become like a, a female hormone expert. Was going through things myself and. What happened with me is I I really struggled with my menstrual cycle. I mean, literally every month I was 
in bed with cramps, couldn't really go anywhere. And it got so bad that I had nausea and vomiting every month. And when I started having night sweats at the age of 24, um, I really knew that something was amiss with my body. Mm. Uh, So you know, even though I'm so grateful that at the time I was in a holistic doctorate training, but went the typical route, went to see my gynecologist and the gynecologist did lab work and everything came back. Here's my air quotes that you can't see, but normal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, what's going on? Clearly is not normal. It's Mm -hmm. not normal to be, you know, in bed two days a month. It's not normal to be vomiting and throwing up. How can you sit here and tell me that all of this is normal? Um, And unfortunately, the only answer he had was, well, we can put you on birth control, which really didn't resonate well with me being more holistically minded. Uh, We can cut out some body parts. Once again, didn't know if I ever wanted to have children or what my future might hold. Or three, we can just give you an antidepressant and just send you off. And neither of those options just felt right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really started me on this journey of how the hell is this person you know, this is his job. This is what he does every single day. How, how is he missing a diagnosis for me and not treating me, you know, for, for what I have got going on or not having good options. And that really started me on a journey to learn more about functional medicine. You know, maybe you are not in the black and white zone, but you don't feel well and no one can figure out what it is. We want to do different lab work sometimes to determine functionality as opposed to disease states and going through additional training, figuring all that stuff out led me to determine and in doing completely different tests than what my doctor did, I found out that my estrogen was high, my progesterone was low, my cortisol levels were off the chart, and I was just basically a hot mess. Uh, So once I had answers of, hey, here's what's going on, one, I could then work backwards to say, okay, how do I fix this naturally? It took me about a full year from start to finish to really fix my cycle. But within just a few months, I was feeling so much better. Um, So just, I think, going through that process really helped me understand what it feels like to be on the patient side of things Mm -hmm. and to feel that if you're not getting answers, you know, what else is out there? Because I understand not everyone has a doctorate like I did or was in school to know what questions to ask or what books to read or that kind of stuff. So my mission now is to help other women balance their hormones naturally and and get the answers other than the antidepressants and the surgeries as as options to to heal themselves. Beautiful thing. I mean, I, I think um, obviously you're in the States, but uh, here in Australia, I know the whole kind of hormone challenges and whether it's just because I'm getting a certain age that I'm more aware of it. But um, like there are a lot of people with hormone issues, even if they aren't, you know, getting into sort of a postmenopausal or premenopausal sort of state and stuff. It's really interesting. And I think that there is a lot to be said about, you know, our foods and, you know, the additives and hormones and stuff that are in things and the toxins, I guess, in the air. But one of the questions I had then, just you telling about that story. So your doctor didn't give you the answers, but you took it upon yourself to do all those tests and, you know, the blood tests and stuff. So you did that yourself, like to go and get that done? Or did you go and see another doctor or did you get a second or third opinion or... Absolutely. At at that point, I'd had a number of endocrinology, biochemistry, so I had the background in, in some of that material. But even still, the options weren't there for like functional medicine at that time. It's grown so much more in the last 20 years, which is amazing. Um, But there weren't a lot of options. So it was literally me finding seminars to go to, trainings to do. I mean, other than my doctorate, my bachelor's and my master's, I I did an additional 500 hours of training to in, you know, functional medicine, applied clinical nutrition, certified nutritionist, all these other things because I wanted to get better at all of that. For the lab work, 
because I am a doctor in this country, I was able to run my own labs. So mm -hmm. I didn't need outside um, work for that because I was pretty much finishing up my doctorate at that time that I was kind of going through this whole process as mm -hmm. well. But yeah, I ran my own labs and then just kind of figured it out. And I've taken what I've learned from that whole process and have been helping women do the same thing ever since. If you have a topic burning inside you that you'd love to talk more about and have a conversation with me, I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a line at hello at wabisabiseries.com. Let's head back to the chat. Something I'd like to dive in a little bit further with you is that the whole premise, I guess, of the book that I wrote was around, you know, controlling and being responsible for your own health. And you termed it, you know, being your own health advocate. You know, what do you see in this regard? Is it, um, you know, the types of things that you see patients sort of presenting to you? What are the key kind of themes that you're seeing over the years, I guess, with, with people? I think that's interesting to sort of start there and kind of then how you've helped them, I guess. Gosh, I've worked with thousands of people at this point over the last 17 years in clinical practice. But I'd say, you know, different categories of patients some come in and know exactly what they want. They ask the right questions. And my philosophy and in the way that I work with my patients individually is I will give them tools and I'm very big on education. So my minimum appointment with the patient is a half hour because I want to spend one-on-one -on -one time with them to educate them on whatever we're talking about, whether it's their hormones, we're going over lab work. I want to make sure they have a clear understanding of what's going on in their body, because then when I make suggestions, they're going to be more, I think, committed in a sense, because they know why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Because if it, now medicine is you go in and, oh, you have high cholesterol. Well, here, take this drug to lower your cholesterol. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the typical thing, not let's look at why you have high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. You know, your thyroid isn't working. Yeah. So therefore your, your, your body is making more cholesterol to help yeah. with the thyroid production. Don't try and put a bandaid over it, right? Right. And, and I think that's the difference too, between, you know, functional medicine or functional nutrition versus traditional yeah. is they're just looking at here, you have this name disease here, take XYZ pill or surgery or whatever to combat that. And it's, it's all about symptom control or symptom management for the most part. And, and once you go on medicines, you're, you're generally never getting off of them. Where when we're looking at functional medicine or functional nutrition, it's really more of looking at the cause of something because we could absolutely use herbs or supplements even as drugs. You know, I can control symptoms with herbs, but that's not what I want to do. I don't want my patient to necessarily take XYZ for the rest of their life. My goal is to go deeper to figure out why the hell your body is creating this the cycle or symptom and fix it at its core. So that I think is a, is a main premise. It's different. So a lot of patients that, that seek me out, they know that's kind of my style. So they're looking for that. Um, but I'm also mindful that symptoms suck. So we also need to control that while we're healing the body as well. So that's one style of patient that I have. Um, other patients have been, I, I'm usually that person that they've been everywhere else and spent thousands and thousands of dollars and no one's been able to help them. And for some reason, they either see me on a podcast or their friend refers me or something. They're like, well, what the hell? I've, I've done everything else. Let's try this. And is that because still you think people are still nervous or think it's a bit woo-woo about you know, going to functional medicine or trying alternative options? I would have thought it would progress by now, surely. We're getting there in a sense, but we're so, so not there. Like I'm like mm. the nutrition Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm everyone's <laughs> last hope for the most part. And I'm okay with that. Like I understand yeah. that's my role in a lot mm. of people's parts. But, you know, once we get working, once we find out the reasoning and we can put together some really specific action plans for people, they will spend 
a fraction of the time and money generally in what they've already done. And get results by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. So what's your advice to someone if they don't have someone like yourself nearby or they're not ready to go to an alternative, you know, they want to still go to their traditional doctor. How would you advise people in terms of questions to ask or, you know, if they're not happy with or that it just doesn't sit right with them? I mean, I kind of write about it in the book to say, get a second opinion, get a third opinion if you have to go to five doctors because you know your body better than anyone. And that's my key kind of message with it because I didn't do that and I paid for it. My mum didn't do that and she paid for it. And so, you know, learning from that and trying to share our terrible, you know, terrible sort of cases and examples where our doctors were negligent. What do you recommend as a, as a doctor to people um, of how to sort of combat this and not go down that road where they, you know, have terrible results or, you know, or worse? No, absolutely. And it is, it is an issue for a lot of people, as you well know. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we can be doing is prepare. We think about if we're at work, we prepare for a meeting, we prepare, you know, for our kids' sports games, <laughs> but we don't prepare to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So prepare yourself. You know, if you have things that are going on in your body, not necessarily get on Dr. Google, but, you know, write down your symptoms, write the questions you want to have answers. I tell my patients every visit during the time between our appointments, if you have questions, one, I'm accessible so they can always email me. But if they feel like it's not too serious, I said, start a pad of paper and just write the questions down. So, you know, when you get in that room, you've got the white coat syndrome, you've got a lot going on, maybe your kid's with you and they're, you know, upset and crying, you know, whatever might be going on. Mm -hmm. But if you have that pad of paper with the questions on it, you're systematically going through, here's, here's what I want to make sure we have time to discuss. Mm What's white coat syndrome? I'm assuming, but I've never heard that term. Well, white coat syndrome, oh, I guess maybe it's more of an American term, where when the doctor comes in and they've got the white coat on, you get nervous, or um, a lot of times you'll take your blood pressure at home and it's fine, but as soon as you get to the doctor's office, it's raised just because you're, you're just nervous to be there. You're like, oh, please don't find anything wrong with me. So is that why, yeah, why is that? What, why are we nervous when we see a doctor in a white coat or, or go to a doctor? I think a lot of times the doctors, they give good news, but sometimes they're more so giving not so good news to a lot of people or, or wanting them to make changes. So I think that's part of it. That's why in, in my office, I literally wear jeans and like a nice top. I don't have a white coat at all. My, my office looks like a living room. You know, I want everyone to be comfortable when they come mm-hmm. in. But, but yeah, so I think preparing, you know, writing down the questions you want to have answered. If there's lab work or something that you feel like you want to have done, have that discussion with the doctor. Mm. And sometimes they're just in this box of we're only going to do what's covered by insurance. If you're willing to go outside of your insurance and pay for it, let them know that. Say, hey, I want these additional tests done. I know it probably won't be covered. I'm happy to cover the cost. Because sometimes for them, they're just looking at it from a monetary perspective, not just, um, you know, what you might need. And I also find a doctor that will spend time with you. Um, The doctor that's standing by the door with his hand on the door, as soon as he walks in, is probably not the best provider for you if you want Mm. a provider that's going to spend some time with you. Uh, My minimum visit with a patient is 30 minutes. So Mm. I'm usually doing 30 to 60 minutes per patient. So I do have that time to devote for each patient visit. And I think another big thing with doctors and patient interactions is if you get an answer and it doesn't feel right, no matter what the doctor has to say to you and your gut is screaming like mine was, my gut was like, oh, hell no, this is not okay. (laughs) You know, like you said, be okay Mm -hmm. with going and get a second opinion, a third Mm -hmm. opinion, or even branching out to some alternative at that point Mm -hmm. to see, you know, what other options might there be for, for what you might be struggling with. 
So within that case, though, if someone like because you said about getting lab results or, you know, doing other tests and things, if the doctor says no, you don't need it or I don't think that's advisable or it's unnecessary or you're being melodramatic or worse, you know, a hypochondriac, how do you suggest people respond to that? I would just firmly ask it again, you know, twice and say, well, I really, really would like to have these done. How can we make that happen? And just yeah. throw it back into their court. And if they're still, because I get this all the time, like, especially with my thyroid cases, yeah. I want a full thyroid panel in patients, which to me is at least nine labs. Most doctors here in the States are doing anywhere from one to three of those labs, not the whole nine test panel that I want. So I teach my patients how to have the conversations with their doctors because, hey, if we can get your insurance to cover it, let's do that. But then they also know if he says the doctor won't play ball, they know they can come back to me and I'll run it. So there definitely will be practitioners out there that will run other tests. Functional medicine at this point, functional nutrition is really becoming more widespread. So it's nice all throughout the world now. We, we should have providers that can get you the test and, and the results that you want. So just seeking those people out and finding who can, mm-hmm. who can be helped. I mean, even me now, I'd say 50% of my clinical practice here in Charleston, South Carolina is people I see face to face and the other 50% is, is virtual. They're somewhere mm-hmm. else um, around the That's country. Cool. I think some of your advice there just again, I, you know, I'd really like this to happen. How can we make it happen? I think is good. Uh, interesting. And the reason I asked and I pressed on that point is because that's what happened to me. I, you know, I'm a corporate chick. I sit on boards. I can advocate for others. I can advocate for companies, but put me in front of a doctor. And for some reason I feel about, you know, two centimeters tall. It's just, and for me, it's almost like there's a hierarchical kind of relationship going on and a power thing. It, you talk about the white coat syndrome. So, um, you know, and I think, well, if that's happening to me that, it, you know, I'm very comfortable, you know, I can talk on a stage to two and a half thousand people, <laughs> but the doctor tells me something that I know is not right. And I go, oh, okay. And I was like, why does that happen? <laughs> that's why I write the, wrote the book about that to try and dig a bit. But there's a lot of people that feel disloyal, you know, to go to another doctor and to go behind the back or whatever. What do you say about that? I mean, I guess the reality is it's your health and your well-being, So you need to take control. But is there any other sort of advice that you would say to someone that's feeling uncomfortable? You know, they've had the family doctor forever. They feel it's a bad, like, I don't want to go to some other doctor or. I think it really boils down to being okay with loving yourself more than loving your doctor. I guess on the flip side of that, you could still keep that doctor. There's nothing that says you can't go to other providers. You know, most of my patients that see me, they will see me and a lot of them will have a primary care physician that they're yeah. working with because they might be on, you know, high blood pressure medicine that we're, you know, working towards. So it's okay to have people that are on your team. And that's another mm. thing that I tell people too. It's not just about finding one provider, but having a healthcare team, whatever the heck that looks like to you. For me, my healthcare team is, you know, I do my own labs on myself because because I can, but, you know, having someone that can run the lab work that you want. I have a massage therapist on my team. I have an acupuncturist on my team. And I have a chiropractor on my team that adjusts me. We trade, her and I. So it's whoever your team is going to be, start getting those people before you need them because when you need them, then you're scrambling and there's a lot of stress that goes on with that. So start doing the things that you want to do for your own self-care, like whatever that routine is for you, whatever you want to create. So start that routine, get your tribe together, your healthcare tribe, and just start creating your, your healthcare routines for yourself. I love that. I've not heard that term, you know, like a healthcare team or tribe. And it makes so much sense. Whereas, you know, I've always uh, I've been an ex-athlete. So I you always have a massage sort of at least once a month. But, and my husband thinks it's like so luxurious. And I'm like, actually, to me, it's like just it's a necessity kind of realigns my body and gets me in check and, you know, releases all the muscles and tension points and stuff. 
often I'm much healthy, happier and, you know, function better. But, you know, being able to call it a team, I love it. And I think also to your point, if you have them in advance and they know you in, you know, when you're relatively healthy in particular points, then they kind of get to know you and your body a bit better as well, rather than scrambling last minute if you're unwell. So come back then to the point about, you know, not being a lazy patient. So what other kind of elements in there? Because I thought that's a really good point. So what other tips and things would you have for people to uh, not be lazy patients? I think it's, it's also taking the ownership because I have had patients that wanted me to tell them everything, but then they weren't willing to do anything post-appointment. So for a lot of conditions, it's not just about that 10, 15, 30 minute time you have with your practitioner, but it's what self-care or what routines are you setting up between those appointments. Mm. So I think it's really taking the ownership to to do that, to not only prepare for your appointments, but then afterwards you, you need an action plan. So finding a provider that can help you create an action plan, because once again, like we mentioned already, conventional medicine is you, you come in once, twice a year, whenever you, you need to refill your prescriptions, you're just given a script and then off you go. And there's no talk about what are we doing in the meantime, other than we'll see in a year to see if we need up your medicine. But with me, it's more like, here's the goals that we need to meet. Here are baby goals we're working towards in the interim. And here's the specific steps I need you to take between our first, this visit and our next visit to, to work towards those goals. And I'm not looking for perfection. Everything is truly all about balance, but you know, I need people to meet me halfway. I can't want your health more than you do. So true. So true. And I think that's, uh, you know, to your point about people get nervous to go to doctors because they're going to tell them whether it's bad news or they have to change something or they've got to stop smoking or they've got to give up alcohol or they've got to exercise more, all the things we actually innately know. (laughs) But um, it does come back to that, you know, that driving point of loving yourself and wanting to be better and to feel better. And your doctor there is is an extension of that and assistance for you. They are not the be all and end all and they, they can't fix everything for starters they don't know your body anywhere near as well as you do but also they can't make that stuff happen for you as well is your point so I love it what are some of the biggest challenges you're seeing at the moment in terms of trends and things I'd probably say the biggest thing is stress yeah right just because especially now with just everyone's last year with COVID and lockdowns and everything else uh, people's whole routines being flipped upside down and and working around having kids at home and everything else. I truly feel like stress is probably the biggest killer in our country, probably over the world, really, because the cascade of hormones that occurs when you're under stress affects pretty much every aspect of your life, from your female hormones to your immune system to how you digest your food, like everything Mm -hmm. is affected by stress. So I'd say that's probably the trend that I, I see a lot is stress. Working with women and female hormones of course, I see a lot of messed up periods and whatnot. And I think part of it's stress. Um, you mentioned earlier toxins. Like we have so many toxins in the environment now. And most of those toxins are in the estrogen-based category. So we have this huge imbalance of estrogen progesterone in a lot of women that I'm seeing that are creating a lot of, you know, period type problems. The good news though is obviously we probably can't necessarily change the environment in two days, <laughs> but we can change how your body is affected by the environment. So that's really what I'm teaching people is, is how to work around that, how to take responsibility for what they're bringing into their own house and into their own bodies and making those changes. And then the third thing I'd probably say is thyroid issues. Those have gotten out of hand as well here, at least in America. I have a ton of thyroid patients. And I don't know if that's just because I've gotten really good at treating them, 
because most of the time they're just given medicine and just kind of left to see in a year to do your labs and they don't feel any better a lot of times. But those are probably the three biggies, I'd say. So working backwards then, are there, so if they, I mean, and this is obviously general, but are there some key things in terms of whether it's diet or, you know, the toxins that can make a bit of a change for some of those, whether it's the thyroid or for some of the toxins you're saying in your house and stuff? Are there some blanket things that you say to everyone to say that these are some things you should change? Blanket things would be, you know, eat well as much as you can, you know, eat clean, try to avoid processed foods just because all the chemicals that are in what we're producing these days is just ridiculous as well. Between the chemicals and the the artificial sugars and everything that we're putting in food, your body has to process like a chemical. So we're just putting more stress on the liver, the digestive system um, and everything else from that perspective. So eat real food. You know, it's it's basically as simple as that. And try to start cleaning up your, your house and what you're using. You know, we think of, hey, I want a really clean house right now, but it kind of scares me when I look at the chemicals that they're using now around the children and the sprays we're using and just everything, that how that's going to affect people over the next, you know, number of years. Mm-hmm. So as much green cleaning as you possibly can, as opposed to harsh chemical products. Yeah, so right. I think that's a trend we're seeing now too with COVID. Everyone's like slathering up and like covering their bodies in Purell. <laughs> and, and to me, like that's not as good sometimes because we're killing all the good bacteria that's as right. well on, our, on yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? That um, getting that balance right. But yeah, I've never used so much angel in my life, <laughs> antiseptic stuff. Um, but there are some good natural ones as well. Which is say um, we have obviously eucalyptus here in Australia, which I love to put in, you know, my water to clean, uh, you know, my floors and things. It's just, you know, it's such a good disinfectant, but it smells beautiful and it kind of cleans your air passages and stuff as well. So something pretty simple. But um, it's been amazing to talk to you today, Dr. Stephanie. What would you like to leave? with today is uh, one of your key points to you know shake people into action to get a little bit uh, you know better about looking after their own health I think the biggest thing is just start doing something small each day for yourself that's going mm-hmm. to build upon upon that mm-hmm. it might be you know walking a little bit extra or deciding to not have that extra piece of cake I don't know what it is for you but decide something that's going to be helpful for you I also have a free gift for your people if they'd like to download it because we talk about the toxins what some simple things you can do is I wrote, it's, it's not as big as your book, it's a small e-guide, but it's, it's free for them to download if they'd like. It's an e-guide about morning routines and how you can start detoxing your body through your morning routines Beautiful. within five minutes. So in this little e-book, I've got a number of different free and if you need to buy a tool it's a real cheap tool because i wanted to make this accessible to everybody so even if you just add one or two of these to your morning routine this is just going to start helping your body clear off extra toxins that will in turn help balance hormones just give you more energy help you feel better so download that and just pick out a few things that you want to start doing that feels good and just commit to doing them yeah great idea and you also have a course don't you online it is available globally because it's all online it's 28 day it's a hormone reset detox program so literally it's it's you know six hours of videos it walks you through in six different modules what to eat how to look at your products and what if you're going to do any supplementation with that what levels you need in order to be effective enough to help push 
toxins through your liver and also help balance your hormones. So yes, that program is available at my website and anyone can do it all over the country. So that's yeah. been my commitment to spreading the word more on these types of topics. Oh, I love it. Well, all that, that information will be in the show notes. So um, we certainly can find you uh, there easily enough. And it's been fabulous to talk to you today. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights and information. I feel uh, that, you know, it's just, you're talking my language, as I say, and it's just so beautiful to have doctors and medical practitioners that are in that same boat as well that are supporting their patients. So, you know, from, from me to all the patients I'm sure you look after, thank you, Dr. Stephanie. It makes a difference and it certainly, um, you know, can save lives because uh, the opposite I've seen uh, has a you know, adverse effect. So good on you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for the invitation to spread that mission. I appreciate it. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you'll find all the show notes and interesting links on our website, wabisabiseries.com. If you'd like to hear more unexpected conversations, please subscribe to the series, follow us on our socials, or grab one of my books. And if you're in a generous mood, I'd love you to share the episode, or maybe even rate, review, and comment on the series. It really does make a difference. Until next time, be sure to claim your own piece of wabi-sabi and walk proud in your perfect imperfection.